You are listening to the Social Media Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, stay-at-home mom of three turned social media influencer, Jenny Peterson. Each week, we'll dive into online marketing, business building strategies that actually work, and I'll share with you how I built my online business, leveraging the power of social media from my cell phone. The term influencer is not just for celebrities, it's for people just like us. I really believe that all you need to get started is Wi-Fi and a dream. Let's go. Welcome to the Social Media Influencer Podcast. Today, I am with a very special guest, and I'm so excited to introduce him to you. My husband got home from a conference and heard him speak live from stage and came home all excited and said, you need to have Coach Bert on your podcast. So Coach Bert, welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And, and tell me your husband's name. Did he come up and meet me? His name's Preston Peterson. Preston Peterson. Okay, good. I'm going to follow up with Preston Peterson. And, and he liked the prey drive. He liked the whole person theory. And, and I'm, I'm, I, I had a great time at that conference, by the way. Like that was the closest thing to 10X. That was crazy. Those door-to-door people are crazy. I love it. They definitely are. So you are a coach, you're an author, you're a motivator, you're a speaker. For all of my listeners, this may be their first time hearing from you. Can you just give us a little bit of background on yourself? Well, you mentioned a lot of things. I spent a decade in my life as a head women's basketball coach at the the second largest high school in Tennessee. And I took a place that had never won in 30 years. And through understanding the whole person theory and growing the body, the mind, the heart, and the spirit of my players, I quickly began to win. And we turned it into a national championship program that won seven of nine championships. And people were constantly asking me, what are you doing with those kids? Like, what are you doing with the kids? And, and so I said, I don't have time to explain it. So I'm going to start writing books about it. So I started writing one of what would become 15 books. And um, when I wrote the books, companies began to call me and say, will you motivate our people? Will you speak to our people? And that kind of indirectly started my speaking career while I was still a high school basketball coach. Amazing. Incredible. And can you, you touched a little bit on the whole person theory. Can you go into a little bit more about that? Yeah, I was deeply influenced by Dr. Stephen Covey, who wrote the seven habits of highly effective people, the principal, principal center leadership, first things first, the eighth habit. And he introduced a model many years ago, like I'm talking like in 1989. And he said, people are made up of four parts, a body, a mind, a heart, and a spirit. Each of those parts produce different needs different intelligences, different capacities, different dimensions. And as I begin to study this model, I'm like, that's it. If we're going to talk about potential and helping people reach their potential, then we need to, we need to go to work on the whole person. You say, well, how do you do that for the body? Teach me skill, right? Teach me skill for the mind. Give me knowledge for the heart. Okay. Help me uncover my passion, my prey drive for the spirit. Help me connect to higher power, leave a legacy, have faith in what we're doing. So I began to use this whole person theory to tap into the whole person. And, and that's really, I think, why we built what I would call a competitive intelligence. And a competitive intelligence is my players weren't always more athletic than other people's players, but they were connected at a higher level. They had higher chemistry, higher trust, better knowledge, better skill. And ultimately, that produces more output, more winning. Same thing is true in the business world. If you want to make more money this year than you made last year, you go to work on knowledge, skill, desire, or confidence. Those are the four parts of our nature. Knowledge for the mind, skill for the body, desire for the heart, or confidence for the the spirit. Now, if I was coaching old Preston Peterson, right? That's your husband's name. 
And he said, coach, I want to make a hundred thousand more bucks or a million more bucks. I'd say, okay, Preston, let's go to, let's figure out what our missing structure is. Do you need knowledge? Do you need access to some knowledge that you don't currently have? Like what is the number one door to door person in the world doing? What do they know that you don't know? That's knowledge, right? Do we need skill? Do we need to practice? Do we need to role play? Do we need to work on your explanation of value? Do we need to work on how you close people? That's skill. Do we need effort? Preston, are you getting up every day and getting after it? Do you have a high prey drive, instinctual inclination to see something and go get it? Or do we need to work on your confidence, your bounce back? How do you handle adversity? How do you move to the next thing? So this model gives me the blueprint I need to coach any person on planet Earth. Perfect. And do you find that there's one area that most people struggle with specifically? Oddly enough, it's the it's the heart. It's the prey drive. I mean, I would like to tell you, is it knowledge? Yes. Is it skill? Yes. Is it confidence? Absolutely. But nine out of 10 people when I speak around the country, it's amazing to me when I speak on prey drive. It's a new concept that I'm working on. Um, it's amazing to me how many people come up to say, you activated it in me, or it was dead, or dormant, or asleep, or complacent, or you helped me find another gear. So that's why I'm kind of, I want to be known as the number one activator of prey drive in the world, because once you have this drive activated in you, then, then, then everything else works better, right? The skill, the knowledge, the, everything works better. But, but amazingly, that's the one thing most people lack. Can you expand on prey drive? What is that? And how do you activate it? Prey drive is a carnivore's instinctual inclination to find, capture, and kill prey. It's prevalent in animals, specifically dogs. Okay. And, um, and I wrote a book many years ago called Zebras and Cheetahs. So I appreciate you wearing your, your cheetah outfit because, because a cheetah, when I wrote that book, a, a zebra looks different than every other animal in the animal kingdom. A cheetah runs faster than every other animal. But a cheetah has a close ratio of 60%. Like when it wakes up in the morning, it it finds, captures, and kills its prey. Okay. That's prey drive. It has a high prey drive. Well, I'm studying this concept and I'm going, humans have this. It's just, right. It's an instinctual ability to see something with the eyes or in the mind and have the guts to go get it the persistence, the intensity to go get it. So think of it like this. There are certain activators of this drive. Competition is an activator of prey drive. Exposure to something big is an activator of prey drive. Um, fear of loss can be an activator of prey drive. When your back's against the wall, inspired by others. Like when your husband came home, he got to see me, um, my buddy, Tim Grover, my other buddy, Ed Milet. And he got to see all the door-to-door people, right? Like, so he was exposed to things, thought processes, thinking patterns, ideas. He was around a bunch of other rabid door-to-door people, right? So what that does is, boom, it activates that drive. So he comes home and he's excited. Now, the key is, can, can he have the persistence and the intensity with it? Because that's where most people fall off the wagon. They get inspired like cotton candy. Tastes good for a second. And then it goes away. So I think a good coach, which is my business, is trying to activate and reactivate that drive in you literally weekly. How do you do it weekly? How do you do it daily? How do you do it minute to minute? That's the, that's the business I'm in. And can you give some examples of activators of prey drive? Absolutely. Here are common activators of prey drive. Okay. I want you to think about you specifically. Let's say I was coaching you. And I'm trying to figure out what is it that helps you find another gear. Okay. You may say I'm driven by competition, Like I want to be number one. Okay. 
And, and so how do you do that? You can, you, you compare yourself to other people that are out there in the world and you say, well, man, they're doing it. Like, like the other, here's an example. I, I was flying out on my plane, you, you know, I got a jet and I was flying out on my jet on Saturday. Tony, Tony Robbins was coming in on his jet and I was flying out on my jet, but his, his jet was about three times bigger than my jet, <laughs> you know? And, and I'm like, I'm like, if he can do it, I can do it. Right. Like it motivated me. It didn't, it didn't make me upset that his plane was bigger than mine. It's like, he's worth 400 million bucks. If he can be worth 400 million bucks, I can be worth 400 million bucks. So competition for some people is one. Actually, my prey drive is activated most by fear of loss. Meaning I don't want to lose, lose what I built in my lifetime. So I work harder. I make more calls. Environment can be an activator of prey drive. Meaning, meaning you're, you're around a team of people that are pushing you and challenging you and keeping you motivated. You're part of a community. Um, in, inspired by others can be an activator of prey drive. What's your husband experience at door to door con that activated his drive because the environment and exposure, right? Uh, embarrassment is an activator of prey drive. Like I'm personally embarrassed because I'm not producing at the level I, I can. So what we have to do is we have to figure out what does it for you. What does it for, for you may not do it for somebody else. Awesome. So it says, it sounds like it's different for the individual. It is different for the individual. Yes. So you have to tap into what's going to motivate you and what's going to going to help you with your prey drive, right? So that's right. is there a way for us to figure that out and activate it in ourselves? You know, if there is, I think when I, what I've tried to do with this concept is codify it and I'm writing a book and working on the book that's going to come out. And I spent a lot of my time doing this for companies. You know, what companies, like I was coaching a, a successful REIT company this morning, a real estate company, they raise capital. They buy a commercial spaces. They rent those commercial spaces to other people. And I'm coaching their sales team via Zoom this morning. And I'm just pushing them, man. I'm pushing them. Did you come into the week with your plan? Do you have a time system blocked off? Do you have this? And I got finished. And the owner of the company is like, we're, we're, not, we're not even at 50% of our capacity, coach. We're not doing any of these things you're telling us to do. We're successful. We've gotten lazy. But we're not activating. Our prey drive is not activated. We're just in a static position. So I think I spent a lot of my time activating and re it's not common for it to be activated in people. It's deactivated in most people and has to be reactivated. And you have to kind of reactivate that daily. It sounds like. Well, here, here's a good example. I said I was going to personally mentor 25 people from that door to door conference. Okay. Now I said, here's all you got to do. You got to text in the text in, right? They get my book. They get this 472 people text in. Then I said, look, for, there's just a few hoops I'm going to make you jump through to find out if you're serious about this or not. If you're going to be serious about it, you got to get on this webinar with me. You got to, you got to, you need to send me an email because everybody was coming up to me. What do I have to do? What do I have to do to get your attention? What do I have to do to be mentored by you? What do I have to do? Like They're all hungry for that. Give it two weeks and out of the 472, less than 10%, you know, there'll be, there'll be 30 or 40 that maybe show up. That's, that's so what, what happened was they got excited. They fall off the wagon. They feel guilty about it. Okay. That's, that's, that's prey drive is act. It's not only activation, it is persistence and intensity. Got it. Okay. And so you coach entrepreneurs, businesses. A lot of my audience are small business owners. A lot of them are solopreneurs. And I heard you talk about on your podcast, how you used to be a solopreneur, correct? I did. I used to be a solopreneur up until a year ago. And you had said that you need to hire a team. You need to grow a team. What can you say to the solopreneurs out there that are looking to grow their team? 
first thing I would say is you got to have the guts to hire the first person. Here's the problem. How big can you get as one person? Can you really, can you really generate the money you need to as one person? The answer is no, you can't. You're not going to get to a million dollars of revenue with one person. You're not going to get to $5 million. You're not going to get to $10 million. My new book is called Single Digit Millionaire. And part of the concept of the book is you're never going to be worth one to $10 million bucks if your business doesn't even generate a million bucks. So, so you can't do that with one or two people. You, you, you got to quit thinking small. I'm not saying you got to have 100 people, but, but there's ways to do it. Like I'm entering into partnerships with call centers, meaning – Meaning I don't have to manage all these people. I may have a call center of 30 or 40 people in St. Louis that somebody else is managing and they get a piece of it and I get a piece of it, but it gives us, gives us 30 times the power to call and sell things. So you got to get out of your brain. I got to have all these employees. I got to have 50 to hundred people. You may, but start with one, then get two, then expand. Like how big can you get, you know, and if you're getting a result, let's say you're doing a million dollars a year with four people, then what if you had eight people? Did you do 2 million? You know, I mean, that, that's right. It's, it's like do more, or get better. Like it seems so complicated, this growth concept, but it's really not. I agree. I was a solopreneur until up about a year ago. I hired my first assistant. And before when I was a solopreneur, I would tell myself, oh, I can't afford help. I can't afford to pay somebody. But what I found is it was like duplicating myself and my income doubled last year. And I really think it's because I finally hired help and I've hired a second assistant this year and I just can't wait to grow my team. Good for you. Because, because when you get good, like you're, you know, you're good. you got a good presence. When you get good, you want to duplicate it. You, you want to scale it. You want to grow it. You want to, you know, it's not, it's not enough just to sit in, in a static position. Like you need, you need to help more people. Okay. And the way you help more people is by adding more people. Exactly. So we have a team of guys that went to door to door con. I was asking them about you and about your, about your speech. And one of them said that they loved that you gave them an outline of steps to become a millionaire. Can you share that with us? Yeah. You know, in the book, I talk about these really three to four steps and I can only say this now looking back. Uh, I didn't know this on the front end. It's not like I went out to do it. (laughs) Uh, Okay. But, but, but I want you to think about spending a decade honing and refining a primary skill. Okay. I don't think money buys you freedom. Skills buys you freedom. The better your skill is, the more money you're going to make. So I spent a decade refining one skill, coaching people through the whole person theory. Okay. Now, after I built that for a decade, I then began to build demand for that skill. I be, that, that skill became valuable. I could use that skill to help teams perform at a higher frequency. I could use it to help people make more money. I could use it to take lower level resources to higher levels of productivity. I could use it to motivate and inspire people. Like I took this skill that I worked on for t- uh, 10 years and I took it over here and I started to build demand. People wanted that skill, right? And, and the stronger the skill, the more demand there is for it. Think heart surgeon versus general practitioner. Think you're the number one person on planet earth. Okay. Then once I started building a network and I woke up one day and I had 700 people in my network, a thousand people in my network. And I'm like, man, what we should be doing is letting these people exchange with each other. So I started building these structures of exchange. So now I'm letting them play with each other, spend time with each other, hang out with each other. Then I'm going, you know what, why don't we have a monster insurance division and a monster real estate division and a monster publishing division and a monster health division and, like, why don't we take these talented people in this network and form strategic partnerships and actually make more money together than we ever could just selling them my product or service. So that's now what I'm, what I'm doing people is building strategic partnerships, 
Monster Health, Monster Insurance, Monster Real Estate, Monster Publishing. And we're taking this network and we're multiplying. And that's really how you build serious wealth is you get out of addition and you get into multiplication. Like when I spoke at 25 years old and made more in an hour than I did a month, right? I made more in one hour than I did in 320 hours. Now I'm multiplying. Once I build this, once I, once I build this cash, now I got excess cash over here and you're going to need a bunch of cash folks. You're going to need a bunch of cash. If you're ever going to do anything big, I'm talking big, like I'm talking like boatloads of cash. You need a lot of money to do something big because you're going to get hit. Somebody's going to sue you out of nowhere and you're going to make a bad investment and you're going to sign up a psychopath to be one of your partners that you're going to get rid of and you're going to have to do And all that's going to take money. It's all going to take money. Okay. So then you build excess cash. You take the excess cash and you begin to reinvest it. And what I talked about at DoorDoorCon is I reinvest a lot of it in cool properties around the country where I do retreats at. And so I got the real estate play going. I got the cash flow going from real estate. Got my coaching events there. And then we kind of put it all together into one life. How do they find your unique genius? Like your skill? Like you said, you start with your skill. Sometimes I feel like we're too close to our own genius to see it. How do you find that? I think you ask other people close to you that, that work with you every day. I think uh, I wrote a book on, I, I think single digit millionaire would help that because I talk a lot about primary skill and I show the application of how I found my skill. And it's not like I found my why. I think people confuse these things. Like a lot of people think you got to find your why. Now once you found your why, now you're going to get motivated. Now you got your purpose. Now you're going to go do it. I, I disagree with that philosophically. I think you do. And in the process of doing your purpose finds you and you're like, I love this. I love this. I love that. I'm good at this. I'm good at this. The world rewards me here. I get energy from this. Now I'm starting to find, now my purpose is finding me, not me find my purpose first and then try to go do something big with it. That is definitely helpful. I think that would definitely be helpful to talk to people that know you best. Cause sometimes I think we're way too close to the things that we're best at to even recognize it as a skill. You can't see the picture when you're inside the frame. Exactly. I love that. And you are the author of 15 books. Do you have a favorite book? Mm, you know, I, I, it depends on what day it is. <laughs> I mean, when I'm low on confidence, my book on confidence is my favorite book. Uh, I think Person of Interest was a very popular book. I got one for churches now called The Accountable Church. Uh, Everybody Needs a Coach in Life is kind of my life's message. So, you know, I don't have a favorite one. I just, I just... You know, each one has each one means something to me. Each one represents a period of my life that I was in. And if my listeners were to start with one of your books, which one would you tell them to start with? You know, I think they couldn't go wrong with Single Digit Millionaire because it's my most recent one. And if they're trying to get their money up and really do something big in the world, I think that, that one would inspire you. Uh, I think if you're looking to sell and have high prey drive until the prey drive book comes out, Inside the Mind of a Monster is a good one. Uh, if you're married to a driven and obsessed person, you need to get my wife's book called Living with a Monster. Okay, so so that, that that's a that's a good one for when you're when you're married to an obsessed person. Um, so you know, I think I think when when I look for a book, I'm looking for a I got a problem, and I'm looking for somebody to help me solve that problem. Okay, I I think most people are not thinking about their long term wealth. I didn't think about it from twenty to thirty. I really started thinking about it for the last few years. Single digit millionaire. It's like, hey, your wealth can't wait. It's you, you got to do it. You got to take your skills to the marketplace. You got to figure out who will pay you the most money for those skills. You got to figure out how to multiply that money and you got to build an intentionally congruent life. Like we got to do it now. We need a sense of urgency. We need to quit being casual. 
That's what old Eddie Milet talked about at door to door. You got to quit being casual with your dreams. You got to quit being casual with your hopes. You got to quit being casual with how you work. And you got to get serious about these things. And he was right. You talk a lot about confidence. As a woman, I feel like women in general, we struggle in that area with confidence. What can you speak about confidence? How do you get more of it? How to become more a confident person? All right. Start, always start anything with the definition of what it means. And what does it mean? What is confidence? Because I've thought about this a lot. Confidence is a memory of success. Confidence is an internal knowing that you can create or manifest something. Confidence is, um, is um, you, you and your strength area or unique ability area distributing your talent to the world and the world rewarding you in the form of love and money and recognition and referrals and uh, affirmation, right? Confidence is this memory of doing something successful. And if you haven't done it successful, it's the willingness to try something. It's the willingness to do something, right? So, so once you know what it is, you start asking, well, what erodes it? What tears my confidence down? Well, other, when I let other people's opinion of myself, bring my confidence down that erodes. when I've tried and failed, that erodes my confidence when I'm not prepared that erodes my confidence when I'm not pushing hard enough that erodes my confidence what, right like all of these things erode chip away at my confidence so then you start asking how do I build it let's go back to the whole person theory you build confidence by going to work on the body you feel good about the body you're gonna feel confident you go to work on the mind you're growing you got you got knowledge you're gonna be confident you go to work on the prey drive I'm putting effort in you're gonna be confident Right. Like all of this confidence is the caboose to knowledge, skill and desire. So I talk about in the book swag. I wrote that book because one of my friends was going through a divorce. He called me when he was, I don't know, 28, 29 years old. Everything was going wrong. His wife was down on him. His kids were down on him. He hated his job. This was the valedictorian of my high school class, captain of the football team. And I'm sitting there listening to him and I'm like, man, I'm, here's what you got to do. I'm like, you got to get your swag back, man. You've lost all of your confidence. You let your wife take it from you, your kids take it from you, your work take it from you. It's time for you to get back in the game, brother. And so I knew I had to write that book at that moment. But that book breaks it down. How do you get it? How do you build it? How do you maintain it? How do you protect it? How do you get it back once you've lost it? Excellent. I think that is something that everybody struggles with in life and in business is their confidence. We struggle with it because we give it up to other people. Like there is no such thing as rejection. Some people may want what you have. Some people don't want what you have. It's okay. Some will, some won't. So what? Not every person from door to door bought my coaching program, brought my product, come back and told their wife I was great. Did that mean I wasn't good when I was there? No, because my confidence is not predicated by what other people think about me. Some people are going to like me and some people ain't going to like me. And that's okay. There's no shortage of opportunity. There's a shortage of confidence in the world. With Prey Drive, I feel like that is something that women have as well as men. Absolutely. Okay. My wife has got it. She didn't know how to activate it till she was 30 years old, 31 years old. Um, it's different in her than it is in me. She doesn't have the same personality I do, but, but she does have a drive to do something when she's around other women. Like she just went to Rachel Hollis's thing down in Fort Myers that activated her drive. She came home activated when she's involved in a real estate project. She wants to complete it activates her prey drive when she's working on certain projects. So hers is activated different in mine, but absolutely men and women both have it. It's inside of them. It's instinctual, but it has to be for some reason, you know, I'm, I'm on tour with Tim's story in March and uh, Tim's got this saying when life knocks the shout out of you, 
And that's, that's the tour. It's called When Life Knocks a Shout Out of You Tour with, with me and Tim Story and Sharon Lecter. And that's a great saying because that's what happens. We got this prey drive in us and life knocks a shout out of us. And what happens is we just, we don't get back up. We don't believe we can have a better life. We don't push anymore. We get complacent. If you study any motivational theory in the world, prey drive is a motivational concept. Like what motivates people, right? What activates people? Um, every motivational theory in the world says the same things. We move toward things we want. Well, what happens if we have everything we want? We got a good wife and we got a good kid and we got a good house and we got a good job. Well, now, now we don't want anything. Therefore, we become complacent. Our prey drive is suppressed, which is what's happening in America. It's this, this malice, this complacency. This, it's just okay. Why push? Right? Like I had a 70-year-old last weekend in my, in, 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 when I was in Breckenridge speaking say, man, why push this hard? Then I got a 74-year-old. Four years older than him going, man, you, you've reactivated this in me, coach. Like I want to say to the 70 year old, you're not dead. You're, you're not dead. Why not just go through the motions? Why not push? Why not reach your potential? Why not strive towards something? No matter how old you are, right? Like that, those are the kind of people that don't move. The needles never move for them. They're just in this malice, this blah state, static state. And I just, I can't allow myself to, to, to get in that position. I just do it. I agree. I feel like. The masses are fine with being comfortable. Absolutely. It's, it's mind-boggling to me. What are some of your daily habits that have made the biggest impact on your success? Uh, I, think, I think the daily habit of planning. I spend two to four hours on Sunday mapping my weeks out. Very intentional about the projects I'm going to manifest, the intentions I have. Uh, I spend 15 minutes at night mapping out my next day. Who's on my hit list? Who's in my farm club? Who's in my top 25? Uh, I start every day off by watching a sermon. I typically end every day off by watching something spiritual or a sermon. I work out six to seven days a week with the trainer to stay in great shape. And we go hard. I'm on an eating plan that's, you know, helped me lose 20 pounds in the last two months. So, you know, I think, I think I'm just in this series of life where I'm, I'm very serious about my potential. And I want to self-actualize. And to self-actualize, you got to be clicking on every cylinder you got. Body, mind, heart, spirit. You can't have one of those pieces in, in, in misalignment with each other if you really want to do something big in the world. Yes, I agree 100%. Is there anything that you wish you had done differently or you could go back and, and redo? Or you could speak to somebody who's just starting out and you could kind of warn them of pitfalls that you had? I wish from 20 to 30 I had a good business coach. I didn't know the difference between an asset and a liability at 31 years old. I was a successful basketball coach. I studied coaches, but I didn't have somebody coaching me on business, how to generate money, how to reinvest money, how to take my talents to the world. Like I wish somebody would have took this concept of single digit millionaire, brought it to me when I was 20 to 30. And there's no telling where I would be today. Probably be a double digit millionaire versus single digit millionaire, you know? And I tell people, people are like, why, why would you only want to be a single digit millionaire? That's not the concept. The concept is you first have to become a single digit millionaire before you can become a double digit millionaire. And most people will never reach that level. So, so that's, that's what I'm trying to get people to do. I wish I'd have had that book 15 years ago. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Where can my listeners find you? They can follow me on Instagram at Michael Burt. M-I-C-H-E-A-L-B-U-R-T, or they can search Coach Michael Burt, or they can go to CoachBurt.com. We are bringing that tour in March, me and Tim Story and Sharon Lecter. Sharon Lecter wrote the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Think and Grow Rich for Women, 
Kim Story, Celebrity Life Coach. We're bringing that to L.A., Dallas. What city are you in? I'm in Utah. Okay. Yep. I like Utah. We're not coming there, but we should be. I love Salt Lake City. Um, you know, so, so we're bringing it to Dallas, LA, New York city, Miami, Nashville, Tennessee. If, and, and that would be really a, a, a good investment to come spend a day with us, uh, when we're out in one of those major cities. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and taking your time and spending this time with us today. You got it. Thanks for having me.